I wanted to talk to you this morning uh, and just share with you why we're talking about these things. Um, it's kind of a beginning place to start when you talk about the gospel and the words of salvation. I think it's easy, especially in a church like ours, to um, feel moral in and of ourselves. Uh, we probably compare ourselves to other people, uh, the people we know, maybe family members, maybe different communities, and we find ourselves to be very moral and in comparison to the world around us. We may be bothered by how the world is acting and the values that are coming to our day. And that might comfort us in some way, thinking that we are okay without being saved by the blood of the Lamb. And that's the great danger in a church like ours. We might uh, find it easy to think of ourselves as someone who cares about our spouse, cares about our kids and our extended family members, and still not be saved and still not know that our sins were forgiven in Christ. It's easy for, for us to see ourselves as okay apart from the gospel. And that's a great fear that I have for our church. And so this morning uh, we'll continue uh, talking about the, problem, uh, the topics of salvation, the words of salvation. Um, so please pray with me and ask that God would prompt our hearts in a proper way. God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. I ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that we would not uh, have our own thoughts be guiding us, but that your thoughts would be guiding us. And I pray this morning uh, that you would stir our hearts once again to consider the greatness of Jesus and what he has done for us, done for sinful man like ourselves. God, thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked about sin, and uh, I was thankful to talk about sin because uh, I, it was something I knew quite a bit about, uh, personal experience and stuff like that. And I joked with a few of you like that, and you said, oh yeah, I could have shared some things too, uh, uh, personal experiences that I've had with sin. Last week we talked about sin and just how desperate it was. And even as I thought about sin this week, I have a couple of illustrations that might help you to see uh, what sin is like. Uh, we uh, we run out a house that had been vacant for a couple of years. And when you have a house out in the country that's been vacant for a couple of years, what do you have? Mice. Thank you. No one told us this, by the way. <laughs> you know. And uh, so we, we were struggling with that, and we had different methods of uh, taking care of it. And we thought we had it pretty well under control, but Rebecca and I were uh, in our living room after the kids had gone to bed, and uh, we were reading and uh, doing some other things, real quiet-like, and all of a sudden a mouse just came up, and, and it wasn't quiet anymore. I don't know what happened, but uh, this, mice was, this mouse was running through our living room, and that didn't really bless our hearts as much as you'd think it would, seeing God's creation in our house. And um, so I went to the garage and I got these little sticky traps. These little sticky traps. You know what those are? They're about they're square, rectangle-like. And so I saw where the mouse had gone, and I, I don't know, and I saw kind of his track, and so I placed one there. And about two o'clock in the morning, I hear this clack clack clack. Clack, 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 clack. You know, it was kind of scurrying on the floor, and it, it didn't stop. It just, and so I turned the lights on, 
and the mouse had gotten his first few feet on the sticky trap and the other two feet he was frantically using to get unstuck. And the, the greatness of the mouse trap is this, that uh, in his desire to get away, he stuck his other foot in it too. And the more he frantically tried to get away, the more he got stuck in this trap. You know, that's the way it is with us in sin, isn't it? I think we're out about doing what we want to do, and we think that we're really living it up. And yet sin is one of those things that, uh, as we talked about last week, it's not something that we play with and then walk away. It's enslaving. And the more we sin, the more we're stuck in it, and we can't get away. I also think of the bank robber. He goes into the bank. He demands his bag of money. Uh, he gets his bag of money and then he walks away and he goes to that quiet place where he feels like he's safe. They open the bag of money and they have this dye that just sprays everywhere. You can picture the, the, the bank robber going, oh no, and he's trying to wipe off the money and his, as he wipes it off, he continues to get it all over himself and the more he tries to clean himself up, the more it spreads. And the picture is, once again, that sin is not something that we get away with. In fact, it continues to uh, tempt us and, and draw us in and mark us with the filth of what we have committed. You know, the problem with sin is this, that, and really it's the, where we're going to start this morning, is that when we sin... It's like we add to the pile of our sin. And how, how large is your pile of sin? If you were to take all the sins that you've committed in your life, how large would the pile be? It wouldn't be small, would it? All, and some of us think, well, well, I haven't done anything that bad. Are you proud? Are you proud? Are you selfish? Are you self-righteous? Are you greedy? Have you overeaten? You know, these are all sins and they pile up and there's just this mountain of sin and we look at it and we say, how can we deal with this mountain? How can we deal with this mountain? It's so large. The second thing I want to tell you is that there's a personal poverty that we have. There's a personal poverty that we have no resources to deal with this mountain. And so this morning as we look to God's word, we're going to look at the word redemption, redemption. If you want to turn there, Mark chapter 10 is where I'll be starting this morning. And we're going to look at the word ransom. It's really connected to the word redemption. And in Mark chapter 10, it's also a passage, a parallel passage in the book of Matthew. But Jesus, we understand why Jesus has come to this earth. Why the King of Kings has come down to this earth. We, we understand His purpose. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. To give His life a ransom for many. You, you hear in this verse that the King, Jesus, has come down to be a part of this world. And why did He come? Why did He leave His place to come and to be? It was to become a ransom. A ransom. 
When you think of the word ransom, undoubtedly you think of some show or some scenario that you have heard of where someone was caught and there was a demand for a ransom payment. The idea of this word is the price, the price of being loosed or the price of being set free. This morning, uh, we're going to start at this place. You see, there's a slavery that sin brings us into. We're stuck there. There's no way getting out. There's a mountain of sin, and we have no resources to deal with it. And it tells us in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus came. He came not to be served, but to serve. And the way he served is to be a ransom for many. That the answer to our sin problem is that we would be paid for at a price. And the price was Jesus. He was the one who paid it. He served us in this way. This morning, I I want us to just dwell upon what Jesus has done for us in our state of sin. In where we are. The first point I want to bring to you is He was the ransom. There was a price that needed to be paid for your soul. And he was the one who paid it. We couldn't pay it. We had a debt we couldn't handle. We were in poverty and the debt was large. And Jesus paid with it with himself. We'll get back to that in a few moments. But he was the ransom. He was the price for loosing. When I talk about that, one of the problems that we have is that we don't picture ourselves properly. That the, the sin that we have had, it's as if there's chains bound around us because of what we have done. There's a problem that we have that we can't get free of. Your sin, you can't get free of on your own. And so Jesus said, I'll come to earth. I will come Not to be served, but to serve. And to serve in such a way that I give myself to be a ransom for you and for me. This is the picture of redemption. How we get loose from our sins. You want to turn there, you can turn over to Hebrews chapter 2. And I want to turn our our focus on not just the price that, that needed to be paid, but how it was paid. And, and you hear this and you want to connect it very strongly to your own salvation. And there's a tendency for us to want to be good. To want to be good. Want to be good enough, I want to say that. That there's a sense in which us like that little mouse that says, I got myself into this trouble, I'm going to get myself out of it. And yet the point of Scripture is there is no way to get out of it. There is no way that we can, apart from Christ, get out of this. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, I want to read this to you. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. 
As I read that, there's a few words that stand out. As you look at verse 14, it says, He Himself, He Himself. This wasn't a sense where Jesus and all His riches of glory, that He sent some riches or He sent a messenger. He sent somebody else. He sent somebody less significant. But Jesus Himself was the one who came. And as we were connected as flesh and blood, He took upon that body so that He Himself will be the one to to free us. If you go on in this passage, He did this, He partook of this, that He might destroy the power that had held us. And in verse 15, and deliver us, deliver us. If you have trusted in Christ today, you've been delivered, you've been brought out of that, that, that chains that you held over you. In fact, a few weeks ago, as we were tying up the book of Colossians, Paul says, remember my chains. I want to tell you, it's something totally different. Paul had been righteous. He had followed after Christ. He had preached the gospel. And so there was a, an imprisonment waiting for him because of doing what's right. This imprisonment that he did had nothing to do with what we're talking about right here. The chains that we are constrained by, apart from the gospel, is our own sin where we're getting our just due. And it says that because of what Christ has done, Him coming to this earth and what He did on the cross, it says that we've been set free. We've been let out. We've been let loose, been delivered. Delivered from what? This lifelong slavery, right? This slavery. And, you know, we, we all struggle with that to one degree or another, right? The sins of the past do not have to be the sins of today. Why? Because we've been set free. And as we trust in Him daily, and as we look to Him for strength, what happens? We have victory over the things that have dogged our feet in the past. Who is this for? Verse 16, For surely it is not angels. It's not angels. It's people. The offspring of Abraham. It's those that God has called to Himself. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, you can turn over there as well. It gives us this same idea. And, and really the idea that, that He Himself was the one who came. He Himself was the substitute, if you will, for our sins. When you think of substitute, you think of, uh, most of the time you think of sports. <laughs> you think of a sub. It's when the, the good people run out of gas and get hurt and then you put a sub in. It's not like that at all. The substitute for us is the one who did not deserve, did not deserve, and yet paid what we could not pay. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, it says this, For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Verse 6, once again, it says this, Who gave himself, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. He gave himself as a ransom. I want to I want to tell you again and just reflect on this for a moment. I think sometimes when we consider the gospel and we see the scene of the cross, 
we realize there were guards there. We realize that Jesus got arrested and that there was a sense where guards had nailed him to the cross and then hoisted him up. And there was a sense where men killed him. And yet, as you look through the events that lead up to the point of Christ, you realize that he went willingly using the hands of men. And as we reflect on these passages that speak of our salvation, you need to know that Jesus was not killed, but gave himself up for you. He gave himself up. He raised his hand and said, I will go. He, he purposed that he would complete the work. There were opportunities where the door was open to leave. And Jesus continued on. Why? Because it was his desire. It was the plan of the Father to die for you and die for me. To be the purchase price. He was our ransom. Moving on. Uh, I want to talk to you about complete redemption. Complete redemption. If you can think right now uh, of your life apart from Christ as being stuck in that sin, in chains, and we talked last week about the passage in Ephesians and one in Colossians where it says we were dead in our transgressions. That that was our state apart from Christ and that there was no hope of us getting out. The debt was too high and our resources were not enough. As you think about that, we're talking about that the price has been paid. The price has been paid in Jesus. And that the process of redemption is complete. Of Him redeeming us. Of Him letting us loose and freeing us to live the life that He now calls us to. In Titus chapter 2, I want to read to you uh, just one verse. And, and I'm going to read that verse, and then I'm going to go to Galatians. But I want you to see what He has saved you for, this complete redemption that I'm talking about. That He has saved us, not just to free us, but to, for a purpose, for a purpose. This is what it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Speaking of Christ, it says this, Who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Do you get that? So, why He came, what, what He desired to do, He desired to redeem for Himself a people. He, he did it again. He is His own initiative. He wanted to redeem, to let loose a group of people. And for the purpose, He had a purpose, that they would be His own. That he was, they would be His own. What a picture. You think about where you have come from. Maybe the family you've grown up in, the sins that you have been stuck in for years. And you think, if, if I'm going to get anything better than this life of sin that I have uh, been grow, grown up in and lost in, what will I be? You look at Titus chapter 2 verse 14, it says this. It says that you are saved, you are redeemed, you are let loose for a reason. That you would be his own possession. That you would now be brought into his family. And it says zealous for good works. That you are now 
not freed from sin to do whatever you want, but now freed from sin so that you might be zealous to serve Him, to be His own possession. Galatians chapter 4. Turn over there and we'll, we'll end with this verse here. It's such an important passage. And this passage really takes us the full gamut. It takes us the whole from beginning to end. And I don't know if you've been on a roller coaster before that was too much for you. It was took you up high and then dropped you down low and it went too fast and it was almost too much for you to handle. That's what I think of when I think of this passage. It's almost too much to handle. Please enjoy it with me. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This passage tells us that uh, God looked at His own watch and He said, it's time. It's time for my plan to be uh, acted out and acted upon. And so He sent His Son to be born of a woman, born as we are, yet without sin. And He sent this Son, His special Son, for the purpose of verse 5, it says, to redeem those under the law. He came to set us free. He, he came to let us loose from the sin that got us stuck. He came to give us a new life where before we were dead. This is the purpose that He came. But He didn't just come to set us free. If you look at verse 5, that we might receive adoption as sons. The beautiful picture of adoption that once we were without a family, we were without protection, we were without relationship and, and the, the idea of what we needed, we were without it. And He didn't just grow us out of one slavery and said, you can be a slave in my household, but you can be adopted as my child, my son. This beautiful picture doesn't stop here. He talks about in verse 6, he says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That we don't just come into His family, but we have a, a family relationship that is such. God, I ask that you would uh, deal in the situation of the ambulance. Uh, God, we undoubtedly know uh, someone has a neighbor or relative or someone that is um, involved in that. We ask your protection. Um, we ask that you would be glorified and that our church would be ministers of your hands in this community. 
We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This adoption as sons is so amazing because it brings us in relationship, not a distant relationship with a cold father who we're fearful of and we don't like to be in his presence, but we have this amazing relationship of Abba Father, the idea of a child and his his father, an intimate relationship. This is what he has adopted us for. He, he gives us this intimate relationship with Him where we were once a slave. We had no relationship. In fact, we were stuck in our sin. And now He brings us through the process of adoption, the, the payment of His redemption, the ransom price paid of Himself. He brings us into His family. And then the last verse tells us, and really hard to get there, but verse 7 says this, So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. An heir. An heir. That we receive the inheritance of the Father. That all the riches that He has are ours. Not because we have earned it, but because He has brought us into His family and called us His sons. This morning we sit here uh, in one of two places. This morning you may be sitting here in need of the redemption of Christ. You need to be redeemed. You may be a moral person. You may have come to church quite often. You may have been raised in the right family. You may have voted in the right election for the right people. But you need the redemption of Christ the redemption that alone can free you from your sin. I want to tell you there's no other place you can find this. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about Jesus. And that apart from Him, that's a grave situation. You cannot be saved by anything else. You can't be saved by being here today. Your upbringing doesn't save you. Your good thoughts about God only by placing your trust in Jesus the Lamb who was slain. This morning, it's my desire um, that you'd be thinking about the Gospel. That you wouldn't be thinking about how much you deserve to go to heaven, but how much you deserve because of your sin to go to hell. And that you'd accept Christ as your Savior. Others of you sit here today having been bought with the awful price of Jesus the awful high price as I think about this and as I contemplate my own soul he overpaid for me he overpaid I say that and yet because of his desire and because of the value that he places on you he did not overpay he paid the awful price of his son that you might have freedom from sin and the spiritual blessing that comes from being His child. This morning, um, there's a lot to think about, about what Jesus has done for us. And I ask that you consider that even as we reflect on the table. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank You for the opportunity of being before Your Word. 
God, I'm so overwhelmed at your love for us and your care. Overwhelmed at my own sin and the pile of uh, transgressions that I have acquired in this life. And God, um, we are without remedy apart from you and your son being our substitute. God, I ask that you work in each one of our lives right now to understand where we stand with you and the riches that are found in the gospel. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.